Well, good evening, City Life Church, and happy Mother's Day weekend. Are you ready? You ready to celebrate? If you're a mom, I hope you're ready to be spoiled. You are allowed to send texts during church to your kids of what you want for breakfast, okay? So we, we're, we're going to ask all of the moms in the room if you'll stand up. We just want to shout and clap and honor you. So all of our moms... Beautiful. Well, we want to take a moment to honor you, so you may go ahead and be seated. We want to have some fun with the moms in our room. We want to get to know you a little bit, so we're going to just do some fun giveaways, okay? You ready? We know we're competitive at City Life, right? That traveled with us to 311, okay? All right, moms, where are you at? Who's competitive in here? (laughs) It can be a good and bad thing, right? Please, I just became a new mom, and I know you're competitive. There's there's good ways and bad ways to be competitive, and this is the way to do it. Do you see these? (laughs) They're yours if you win, okay? You're in it? All right, for the first mom, we're looking for the mother in our service tonight with the most children and grandchildren combined. So, stand to your feet if you have five more children or grandchildren combined. Five or more. Stand to your feet. I know there's some out here. You guys, you can clap for them. That's, trust me, that's big. That's huge. Okay. For the mom that has seven or more kids and grandchildren, stay standing. Seven or more. Okay, well, let's just jump to like nine. Nine or more? Oh, my goodness. We got okay. competitors. How about um, 12 or more? 12 or more. Is it just we have one? Yes, you guys, let's give it up. 12 or more. That's awesome. Betsy, how many do you have? How many? She's counting. 25. 25. Do we give her two pots for that? I feel like two maybe. I don't know. We know we have some moms here who traveled. And so if you're here with us tonight and you've traveled 30 minutes or longer to be with us this evening, will you stand to your feet? Moms who traveled 30 minutes or more. Is it hands down? Oh, we have two, three, four. Okay. If you traveled an hour or more. Okay. How about two or more hours? Three or more hours? Four? Seven or more hours? Eight or more hours? You're down for the count at eight. Okay. We have a winner. Let's give it up. Yes. How long? How long was your travel? Nine hours? Ten hours? How long? Oh. From where? Oh, it's your Obviously mama. Obviously for service tonight. Oh. Isn't it? Happy Mother's, Mother's Day, too, Day. I'm sure. <laughs> All right, you guys. Where are Facebook and Instagram moms at? Facebook Woo-woo. and Instagram moms? This is our social media challenge. So we're looking for the mom with the most recent picture. The most recent picture. So if you've posted to Instagram or Facebook in the last 48 hours of your children, pictures of your children, stand to your feet. Shanika, stand up. I know. She's got a sleeping baby in her lap, you guys. Come on. I, just, I already said I should just check for, for Shanika and be like, this is for you. All right, 24 hours or less. Okay, five hours. Let's just jump to five. I lost all of you. No, I didn't. They were checking. Okay, let's do 10 hours. Last 10 hours. Shanique, oh, Shanika's still up. Oh she's my standing. <laughs> Shanika. Yeah, when was your last to Shanika. <laughs> Seems right. Okay, Shanika, all right, you guys. She's supposed to have four o'clock. I thought you were going to say in the service. Just be honest. All right, now we're looking for our newest mother present. So any mother who has a child younger than 18 months, will you stand to your feet? We're just glad you're here and you're awake. Yes. Very nice. Okay. If you have a child that is 12 months or younger, 
Okay, <laughs> nice. We're going backwards. 10 months or younger. Okay, six months or younger. Six months or younger, and Shanika's our only one. Okay, stand back up if at eight months. Stand back up, you moms who just sat. Because she already has, oh, did Shanika just get a flower? We're not going to give her another one. So stand back up. <laughs> stand back up. The last couple moms. All right, how old is your baby, Jen? Nine. Nine? Ten? Eight. Yay, Krista, we got one. All right, you guys, this is pretty similar. This one scares me the most, but I'm going to announce it anyway. We're looking for the mom who had their children the closest together. Okay? All right, we're looking for that. So if you've had your babies within two years of each other, stand to your feet. Within two years. Praise you. Oh, two years. Okay. Let's jump to 10 months. Wait, is that possible? Hold on, I'm doing math in my head. Yeah, no, no, no. Let's go back a little bit. Let's go to 11 months. 11 months? 12 months? We did 12 months. Where are we at? We have... Somebody. Oh, well, there's twins. There is twins. Twins count. Minutes apart. How far apart were they? Done. Oh, yeah. That's yours. Done. You win. Done. (laughs) Well, we do just want to say thank you for being with us tonight on our Mother's Day weekend as we celebrate... I find it so fascinating, one of the things about motherhood, one of the things I like about it, but it's also crazy challenging, is that as soon as you have one season mastered, don't your children change and grow, and you're in a new season. And there's just this rapid, ongoing need for change. And as I was approaching uh, this year, as a mom, every year I try to just take some time to reflect, and I was praying about 2016 for my own family, and thinking of just thinking of God's faithfulness in 2015, praying for each one of my kids, and I was, unlike normal, just keenly aware of a season change that God had for my life. I um, was just, you know aware that God was asking me of something more of me, something different of me, and that I had to be willing to do that. Now, as my church family, I know that you all know us so well, and many of you have pulled me aside and said, what happened to Claire Bear, right? She's become this beautiful young woman, and overnight, and, and my Ethan, right? He's funnier and taller than me, and more sarcastic, and, and Derek is going to be 16, and he's learning to drive, and, and life is moving on and changing, and I was so aware of, of this change, and I found myself, rather than running headlong into this next season, season, I found myself shrinking back. I also was looking at my own personal life and, 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 and trying to have, you know, times of reflection and assessment. And there were some areas in my life that weren't in crisis, that weren't horrible, that, that I would probably say, I think God has more for me. And instead of running towards that, I found myself shrinking back. And so it has launched me this year into a study of what it means to be empowered. Because I've known Jesus long enough, and I know that the God that I serve wants to empower me by his Holy Spirit in everything that he asks me to do. Do you believe that about God for your life? That whatever life role we're in, whatever tasks that he asks of me, that he has a supernatural empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit. I think of it as a... A, 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 we each have a base ability. Like I could probably 
probably, keep my kids fed and clothed and protected without supernatural ability. But I need God's supernatural ability to be a voice of wisdom in their life, yes? I need God's supernatural ability to take the truth of God's word and transfer it and place it in their heart as a value that they can embrace and make their own. I need God's supernatural equipping to know when to speak and when not to speak. How many here are moms of teenagers? Yes, I need that. And I know that God has that for me and God has that for you. And so I do want to want to thank Pastor Mike Cavett and give him credit because it was in this time of prayer and wrestling that I encountered um, a teaching on empowerment from him. And, and we just appreciate Elam Fellowship. We're connected with that minister's group here at City Life. And we so appreciate those voices that speak into our own lives for Fred and I and our leadership team. And, and so I just want to thank him for that. But it, it made me want to understand what was happening. I'm kind of a run headlong into life kind of girl, if you know me, probably to a fault, right? So this shrinking back caused me pause. And so I began to study empowerment. And so what it means to be empowered, to be empowered means that I have permission, confidence, and experience, permission, confidence, and experience to feel the courage then to take action. How many of us, we've had, we, we understand what empowerment means. We understand when we're authorized. We have permission. We have confidence. We have experience. Oddly, maybe as a cruel joke, no? Parenting doesn't come with a lot of that, right? How many remember being at the hospital and they like let you drive away from the curb with your baby and you're kind of like begin frantically looking for the user manual as you approach home, right? There's, I'm struck by this as we're teaching Derek to drive because I'm glad as I put my life in my own hands every time we buckle in. And um, we begin to, you know, he had to read a driver's manual and he had to take a test. He has to log all these hours, some in daylight, some at night. He has to then take another test. He has to go to driving school. Then he's licensed. And even then, as a young driver, there's parameters on that. And I'm laughing to myself as I think of what's at stake in parenting Yet there's no licensing, <laughs> there's no, you know, hours logged to then get a degree or a diploma or some type of certification. So I have this conversation with God, either this parenting thing as I'm shrinking back from a new season is a cruel joke or it's a divinely orchestrated opportunity to lean heavily into a God who is the ultimate permission giver, who is the one who is able to give me confidence in places I've never walked because of who I am through him. And the one who is able to equip me with experience because he stands outside of time and he has numbered my days. He goes before me and behind me. He knows the dreams in his heart for my children and for my life. And so all of the sudden, those things come together. And I, as a mom who've never done this season before, never had this landscape in my life, am able to be empowered. Do you believe that for what God has for you? Now, I know many of you are not mothers, and so when I say we want to talk today about being empowered in our mothering, I want to invite you to insert, be empowered in your and you can place a life role or a job, a career choice, something that God is asking you to be or do and know without beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants to empower you in that. I want us to read about shrinking just briefly. See, the opposite 
of empowerment is shrinking. In Hebrews 10, verse 35, if you have your Bibles, it says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. How many have a confidence in who God is, who he says he is, that he is capable? Yes, that he's a promise keeper, that he does what he says. I have a confidence. Vanessa, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance. Mom, yeah, with your espresso in your hand. Anybody? Double, triple shot, first thing in the morning. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come, and he will not delay. Verse 38 of Hebrews 10. But my righteous one, insert your name, my righteous one shall live by faith. And if she shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in her. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. So it is not God's intention that we should ever come across something where we shrink back to destruction. He wants to empower us for what he is asking of us. There are Boundless examples of shrinking back in the Old Testament, but I want us to land in 1 Samuel chapter 13 tonight. And what we find here, notice I keep picking up my, as if I can take a drink while I'm talking. Can you just pause for a minute? Okay, 1 Samuel 13. What we find here is the Israelite army is camped out. We know this story. They're camped out on the mountain next to a valley with a mountain opposing. And across from them is the promised land, is a promised people group that they are supposed to conquer. There are precious and great promises. And it's fascinating, isn't it, that God has been incredibly faithful to get them to where they've come. But they find themselves this day with an enemy in the valley who is coming out twice a day and taunting the people of God. In verse 8 of chapter 13, it says, He stood, and here Goliath speaking, He stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel and he said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. And again the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul who is the king of Israel, and all the army of Israel heard these words. They were dismayed, and they were greatly afraid. What we find in God's word as we look at moments of shrinking back, we find that between us and the promises that God has for our life, there are enemies. How many have encountered those enemies? Between us and the promise of God, there are enemies that must be defeated. If you are a parent, there are promises of God that he has given you for your children. There are promises of God that you hold in your heart for each one of those children. But between you and that promise, there are enemies who are trying to defy the God of those promises. And we must realize that we have to battle to possess the promise. Battle means there are obstacles and challenges, and hurdles. If you're a parent, just say, yes, Vanessa, yes. There are challenges between us and the promise. Now, each one of our enemies might look different, but let me tell you some things about all of our enemies. Number one, these enemies always appear unbeatable. That's what makes it an enemy. 
They appear unbeatable. They look like there is no way that I could ever get through this valley and defeat this enemy. They amplify your fear and your doubt and your guilt and your self-doubt and everything broken about you. Satan is excellent at carving out enemies unique for you that know the chinks in your armor. They know your story and they know where you feel defeated, where you might be weak. And the enemy is perfect at amplifying those voices. These enemies, they always paralyze you. Have you ever had something in life that just stops you in your tracks? That's an enemy. They paralyze you. What do I do now? Where do I go from here? And they always, always must be defeated by warfare. There is a battle to be waged to possess the promise that God has. And as I was praying in early 2016 for my own family, I felt like God gave me a picture, and I just felt like I was supposed to share it with our moms this morning because it, 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 it created new revelation for me. How many have flown in a plane on a clear day overhead, or maybe you've seen a picture of this or something on television, but you know how you can soar, particularly over the Midwest, and you see large swaths of land, and from overhead it looks kind of like a patchwork quilt with different greenery and little rectangles and little squares, and, and, and from far overhead it's just very neat and clean, and as I was praying, uh, particularly about these, um, this shrinking in my life, God gave me a snapshot of, of that, and that's my life. And as I looked down on these different pieces of my life, there were lots of victory flags, lots of God rules and reigns here, lots of battles that had been fought, and squares and pieces that belonged to the Lord. But as that camera lens began to zoom in, God began to show me groves of uh, the, these, these peripheral squares, these peripheral plots of land, so to speak, that I had assumed were neutral. They, I hadn't given them much attention. There was nothing terrible happening there. They weren't, you know, causing death or anything crazy. But they were there, and they didn't have a victory flag for Jesus flying in them. And as the camera panned in closer in those plots, there were groves of trees. And I just saw so clearly in that moment, and I don't see a lot of visions. It was powerful for me. I saw under the grove of trees just a nice little neat campfire with the enemy set up. Little campground. It was low-lying. It wasn't dramatic. There wasn't a lot of smoke coming from it. But what God showed me in that moment was, Vanessa, there is no neutral ground in your life. There is no neutral ground in your life. And that the promises that I have for you in every area of your life, you must first dispossess the enemy to receive the promise. So areas that I thought were neutral, areas that I thought I would get to someday, the enemy can only do a few things, and that is rob, steal, kill, and destroy. And he was doing those things subtly, Under the guise of neutrality, that was being wreaked in my life in some of these areas. And so I became fired up about this journey of dispossessing the enemy. I want to encourage you to think right now. What are some of the fields of your life? Some of the promises, actually, that God has given you. The promise 
for us as moms who serve Jesus, right? That we want kids who know God and love God and who, 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 who have a, re- a life-defining relationship with Jesus. That's a promise. And there's battles in between to possess that promise. For my marriage, I want a marriage that's saturated with trust and respect and unconditional love and joy. And that's a promise. And there's an enemy between me and that promise. My finances, I want my life to be one where my finances are glorifying to God and and everything that I am belongs to him. And and I live in a place of generosity. Well, you know what? That takes a lot of self-discipline. That takes a lot of wisdom. That takes a lot of self-restraint. That takes planting my life in a different place. There's an enemy to that promise. And so I must be willing to become empowered with permission, confidence, and experience to engage the enemy, to dispossess the enemy, to claim that promise. How many have promises that they're believing God for? How many here have promises that you're believing God for, but there's an enemy that's between you and that promise? So it begs the question, how do I get empowered? God, I know you want me to get to that promise, but I'm not sure how to get there. The only way is to wage the battle. God's word shows us the only way is to be willing to fight the fight. And the only way to fight the fight is to have the courage to take action, which means we must then get permission, confidence, and experience from a God who is a master of all three. So I want us to unpack these three in our time that we have together tonight. The first one, how do I get empowered? Through the Holy Spirit, in my mothering, or in my name your career, name a different life role. The first one is permission. What is permission? Permission is when I am authorized. I, I need to know that I have been approved and that those sending me will back me up. It's kind of like, I kind of think of it like a Jesus badge, right? Like this swatch of land, yeah, Jesus is going to rule here. I'm his girl, now get out, right? Like the reason that an officer, a police officer, a law enforcement officer has authority, they show up, it's really just another person, right? Well, they have a gun, but a lot of us have guns. Not that I know how, would know how to ever do anything with it. I cried the last time at the gun range, but that is not in my sermon notes, okay? You can ask Fred about that. But the reason a police officer can show up and engage the enemy is because they know they have reinforcements, right? They know that they have people that are, have their back. They know that if they need help, help will be there. And so there's, there's an a, ability to engage. And for us... I believe part of permission to take action in our lives against the enemy is a feeling of God's approval. Do you feel God's approval today? Do you feel that God approves of you? The power to fight our enemies comes from what I believe God thinks about me. And I will never be willing to risk the enemy and take on these challenges if I don't believe that he approves of me that he will show up when the time gets tough, that he is on my side, that through him I am capable and able and worthy. Do you have a feeling of God's approval today? The only way to do that is to begin to realize deep down in your heart that God loves you and is totally committed to you, that he approves of you. He authorizes you to do what he's asked of you which means engaging. How do I know? I capture this feeling deep in my heart that I am forgiven by God, that I am accepted by God. I begin to see myself as Christ sees me. 
We're given this amazing picture in Isaiah 6. And I want to read it for you if you've never read it. It's, it's Isaiah's approval moment. And as we read it, I want to, you to think about, have I had my approval moment with Jesus? In Isaiah 6, we know that he was called to be a prophet to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And so it says here, he's having a vision. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. In verse 1 of chapter 6, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him. These are heavenly creatures. He starts describing them, each having six wings. These are not things that Isaiah saw every day, right? With two of these wings, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called out to another, and they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So he's describing this just this grandiose picture of heaven. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among people. This is him saying, I'm not worthy. What, this is different. This isn't me. I'm, I'm, I'm dirty. And I live among people that are unclean. For my eyes have seen the king and the Lord of hosts. And then this is what happened. This is one of those seraphim. They flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar of God with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips. And your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. And it goes on to say, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? There's things to do, Isaiah. Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. See, what we see in this beautiful picture is that the more that we see of the holiness of God, the more undone we become at our own brokenness, our own inability, our own wretchedness. But we're not supposed to stay there. See, the sacrifice of Jesus, we don't live there. We have an awareness of it. But then God comes to us and he says, but guess what? I forgive you. You're free from your sin. You're free from your iniquity. And then when we have that moment of God's approval, we're able to say, send me. I'm ready. I'll do whatever it is that you have me to do. Have you had your God approval moment? Do you feel approved by God? Do you walk in an understanding of his forgiveness over your life? You moms are commissioned by God to mother your children. It is not something that you're supposed to casually do, try to keep them alive, right? We're supposed to, with God's supernatural capability, it's okay to have a few days like that, with God's supernatural capability, we're supposed to say, God, here am I, send me. What is it? What are those promises that you would have me possess? Mixed with that feeling of God's approval, I believe for permission is also a feeling of God's mercy. A feeling of God's mercy. 2 Corinthians 4.1, it says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, so I make this personal, Vanessa, therefore, since you have this ministry of being a mom, As you have received mercy, you do not lose heart. As you have received mercy for whatever it is, then whatever it is that God's called you to do, you do not lose heart. 
How many have received mercy, like legit mercy? I know I'm not the only one in the room who's gotten 74 miles an hour on Route 64 and passed a police officer in the median, yes? And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, your heart starts to palpitate, you move to the right and somehow want to change the color of your car, right? You slow way down and you're just like, you, 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 you feel the dollars running out of your wallet, yes? You feel the half day spent in court and all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're eyeing the rear view mirror, and they don't pull out. Hello? Am I the only one that feels like the skies have opened and the hallelujah chorus starts? Right? I feel richer. I feel like I just have more time. Today's going to be a great day. God is on the throne. Do you know that that is what we're supposed to feel? I mean, it lasts for all about eight minutes because then you're speeding again and you're like, what is my problem? Right? But That is just a little picture of the mercy of God in our lives. Every day, if we live in a revelation of God's mercy, we should be, no matter what that day has on our agenda, today is a great day. I am rich. I am alive. I am forgiven, right? I have God on my side. Whatever awful stuff I have to do today, it's a great day because I am living in the very real, tangible mercy of God. And when the approval of God and the mercy of God come together, we are able to walk in a permission and an authorization for whatever it is that God has asked us to do. All right. To be empowered, we need God's permission. We also need confidence. We need confidence. To be confident, you have to be able to pull down strongholds and self-defeating beliefs. Confidence starts where? Here, right? Confidence starts and lives and breathes here. It is something that is in our mind. It is something that is driven by our psyche and by the thoughts that we speak. I want to give you five practical steps. Vanessa, how do I become confident? Number one, spend time with giant killers. Spend time with people who have fought the enemy between them and God's purpose and they have gotten to the other side powerful that we're in a church. We are in a church of giant killers. We might have more giants in front of us, but I can tell you, I have, I have many giants I've slayed behind me. Hang out together and I'll share it with you, right? You should have that story too. Hang out, be intentional, find people who know how to slay giants. They might still have more giants because that's part of this life, but there are giant killers all around us. Begin to ask questions, find out how it works, hang out with them, Listen to what they talk about. Listen to how they do life. Seek friends that are giant killers. Number two, remember who it is that approves of you. We just talked about God's approval. Remember who it is that will back you up. So when you flash your Jesus badge, that you know that you have backing. I I write down God's promises for me. I highlight them in my Bible, but I actually keep a list of God's promises. Promises that God has fulfilled. Promises that God has given to me that are unfulfilled, that I'm believing God for, and I read through those, not every single day, but I read them on a regular basis. I read some of them every single day. I plant my life that God has promises for my life. I remind myself, it's kind of weird. It's okay. It's kind of weird to be healthy adult, I think. You have to do weird things. The Bible says we have to speak to our soul. So when I get up in the morning, I do have espresso before I read the Bible. It's much clearer that way. 
But I start my day in God's word and I start with God's promises no matter what I'm doing that day. What are God's promises for my life? (laughs) And um, what are the ones that I'm believing for? And there's many days that I'm not like, oh, God's promises. No, I have to speak to my, my soul, right? I'll tell you what, moms, you cannot expect, we cannot expect to be able to lead our children unless we can lead ourselves, right? So that happens by talking to yourself, looking weird, it's all right. Just pretend you have an earpiece in the car. You know, everyone talks to themselves now. I talk to myself in the car. No soul, we will magnify the Lord. God is doing this and this is what God's word says and this is how I'm supposed to speak and, and you speak to yourself. Number three, confidence by remembering the stories of those who have defeated giants. The Bible is full of stories who have defeated giants. There's so many amazing men and women of God in the generations before us that have defeated giants. Begin to learn about them, read about them, copy them. It's not complicated. Number four, take steps of action. One of the things that inaction does is it causes our fear to grow, doesn't it? Have you ever had a project like organizing the garage that is just like, hell waiting for you. Yes. Am I the only one? And, and you put it off and, or maybe you have a deadline at work. You, you have something that you really know you have to do and you just keep putting it off and putting it off. Doesn't it begin to loom larger than it really is, right? Your inaction is like feeding the nightmare of it all, right? And so, but when you finally, okay, we're not going to conquer the whole garage, but today we're going to spend two hours and I'm going to organize this workbench. And then when you start doing it, you're like, this isn't so bad. I can do this. I mean, this, I'd rather be shopping, but you know, I can do this. This is doable. That's the way it is when we are looking for confidence in who we are through Christ. We have to begin to take steps of action. So I would encourage you, find one action step that you can write down, one action step that you can take, one action step that you can do. And then don't do it alone. Number five for confidence, share that action step with someone because that invites accountability into your life. That type of sharing, hey, this is what God's asking me to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is step one, and I'm going to do it by the end of the week. And you tell a friend, and they can follow up with you. They can say, hey, how'd that go? And you're like, sure, (laughs) right? That's why we need to share what God is asking of us and invite that accountability. So we need both God's permission, we need God's confidence, and we need God's experience. Now, I've never been a mom before. I've certainly never been a mom of teenagers before. So what, God, how, I ask, how do I get empowered by your Holy Spirit when I haven't had experience? Now, what we find is that David, in this story, we're going to return to it in 1 Samuel 17, he fought the lion and the bear before he fought the giant. Let's look in verse 33 of the same chapter. What we find here is that David shows up on the scene. His dad asked him to bring some snacks for his brothers, right? They're the big heroes in the family. He's just watching sheep in the back, you know, in the back 40 or whatever. And he brings him food, and in so doing, he's like, what's going on? This is not what I expected. You know, he expected these guys to be fighting. He expected these guys to be winning. He shows up, and they're cowering with fear. They're paralyzed. No one is doing any of the things he thought. And he's kind of, you know, the punk brother. He's kind of, but he's also 
showing up with a sense of what is going on, and he kind of was embarrassed, I'm thinking, for them. Have you ever watched someone do something stupid and you're just embarrassed for them? You're like, oh, there's movies that are like, you're embarrassed for the actor. Like, no, right? Like, oh, I'm embarrassed for them. And so he starts to ask questions. And in chapter 33, he's talking to the king of the nation. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and this this Goliath has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, and I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Can you imagine being the king? You're like, what? Your servant, he's like, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. See, the Lord, he tells the king, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he is going to rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. What is your lion and what is your bear? Right? What's interesting, isn't it, is that David, when there were no crowds around, when there wasn't a lot at stake, no national reputation. When nobody was looking, he did what not most shepherds did. He didn't have to, but God prompted him to. God empowered him to. He did things in the privacy of his own life that enabled him to have the faith for what God was asking next. So mom, dad, employee, worker, manager, student, what is it, what is your line in your bear? What small step of faith and obedience is God asking of you to then lay the foundation and the groundwork for the next enemy? See, he wants us to learn how to be victorious. And so many times, don't we? Well, nobody's looking. There's not a lot at stake. I'm just, and we shy away from some of these battles that we're supposed to wage in the privacy of our own life. David was faithful and diligent to tackle the smaller challenges that had come his way when he wasn't in front of a crowd, when there was no one looking in the privacy of his own walk with God. What is it that God is asking you to do that you're not doing? What is it that God has asked you to start that you haven't started or stop that you haven't stopped? We must, to be empowered, take every opportunity to take every experience that God gives us to slay an enemy. Our reaction to an enemy should actually be, let's do this, right? Let's bring this because now I'm going to get some, you know, there's bigger enemies coming. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slay this one because I need to get my muscles, right? I need, a, I need to build my muscles for what God's asking me because I know in my mothering that there are more giants to slay. I better get these ones slain so that I can receive all the promises that God has for me. Later on in this same chapter, in 1 Samuel 17, in verse 45, the king lets David, he's like, okay, and we're not going to read it for sake of time, but he tries to put him in, you know, the armor, and the armor doesn't fit, and it's too clunky, and he goes back to what he knows, and he goes and he grabs three rocks. Five? I forget. Ooh, Sunday school, five. Thank you, Monica. And he puts them in his little bag, right? And he goes out, and he says, King, can I just do it the way I know how to serve my Jesus, my God? In verse 45, it says, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. So he goes into the valley, and he's talking to the enemy. 
But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. This day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. He actually says he will give all of you, not just you, Goliath, all those people behind you. He will give all of you into our hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, I love this part. It says David ran quickly toward the battle line. He did not shrink back. He ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Verse 49, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. And I know that for each one of us, as moms, God wants to empower us to run quickly into the battle. Because we know the God that we serve. We have authorization. We have permission from God. We have confidence that comes from knowing who we are in him. And we have experience because we've slayed other giants. And we know that God will back us up. I don't know about you, but I want it written of me that Vanessa ran quickly into the battle to defeat the enemy. And the story goes on that they went on to claim the promise. They went on to conquer other enemies. And God used this. So moms, I want to ask you, dads, everyone here, what are you shrinking back from today? What is it that's causing you to shrink back? Maybe what's paralyzing you? Maybe your own past, your own story, your own fear of failure. Legit things that cause us to shrink back. There's something unique about mothering, and that is, it's true for life, but particularly for mothering, if you're self-aware, is that you don't get a do-over. I'm keenly aware of that. I don't get a do-over of this season. And every day I waste quaking on this side of the promise is a day wasted that I could have defeated the enemy and run into the promise that God has for me. And when I look at my children, I know that they deserve me to slay the enemies between them and the promise. Amen? And so what enemy do you have? What enemy is God asking you to run headlong into? My prayer for each one of us as moms, so many of my friends here, my church family, is that it is my desire, it is God's desire for every mom to walk in that place of permission, confidence, and experience where we have the courage to take action. And when we show up, the enemy is defeated. Amen? Amen. I want to invite David to come, and he's going to, you can remain seated. He's going to give us a spoken word, and then we're going to return into a moment of worship. There is a battle already won in knees that do not buckle, confidence that does not crumble, wills that do not bend nor break in the face of the winds and the waves, the wars 
not yet waged and yet already won are begun like any other war on battlefields. They start in valleys of bones and bullets over shell casings and casualties, perilous scenes, but hallowed be these grounds of war, of storm, of famine and drought, worry and doubt, for there is more sense of God's presence here than in the safety of church pews, more use for prayer and faith, repentance and grace, because here the ground shakes at the mention of his name. His fame flares out from our shouts of victory. We, the armor bearers of his image, have no use for fear because our God is here on battlefields. And he will not yield to any weapon formed against us, but we must show up to fight our battles here on the front porch of Jericho, carrying the torch of worship and praise. Joshua chose to raise the banner of voice, rejoiced on what seemed like the wrong side of fight before exerting any military might, despite the fact that his army was slight. These Israelites knew that they had already won before the battle had even begun. And David, the son of a man named Jesse, ruddy boy from around the way, showed up one day on the battlefield, brandishing neither sword nor shield, but a will to fight and a confidence that the God of life and of providence would arrive to prove himself present and alive. So with one smooth stone slung, David stung the enemy in the temple of his threats, you see. Fear is just a giant awaiting his fateful death. The world is just a battlefield already overcome, and your battle is a fight that God's already won. But some of us have failed to show up, forgetting that faith and his presence are weapons enough, and that God is with us on battlefields. So with, on battlefields. So trust that he'll make you brave. Trust in the one who conquered the grave, the one who has named you victor, co-heir with Christ, raised you from death to reign in new life, freed you from shame, empowered you to fight and to fear not, to take captive every thought and to show up on battlefields.